Okay, I want to do something very basic, but very essential. As I engage believers and Christians daily, we have some general assumptions, meaning that when we see people in church, we just assume that they know certain things. And it is important that in occupying our role as equipers of the saints, we are able to build a proper foundation that makes the believer able to defend their faith. I'm somebody who is passionate about the supernatural, that's passionate about the miracle-working power of God, that's passionate about healing. But I also know that to be an effective Christian in the 21st century, you would require a dimension of the supernatural and also being grounded in your faith, the ability to use your mind or your thinking. So I, I, I want to do something on why do we believe in the Bible? Why do we believe in the Bible? I'm going to do a more exhaustive study maybe next Wednesday, but I just want to run through some basics today. And the basics I want to run through is eight distinct reasons why we believe the Bible. Eight simple but very basic reasons why we believe the Bible. I want to use um, the life of David. And I'm going to ask us to turn to Psalm 119. I want to use the life of David. And this is very important because we are in a generation where, in fact, <laughs> the people no longer are holding to, you know, you know, you can talk to somebody and he'll just ask you, so why do you believe in God? What about if the Bible is not real? And all of that. And as Christians, we must be equipped in our faith to be able to handle these things. Psalm 119. We're going to read the story of David and pick out simple but eight reasons why we uphold the word of God. In fact, in my own personal study, I called it eight reasons why I love the Bible. Psalm 119 verse 89. Psalm 118 verse 89. I'm going to read from verse 89 to verse 104. And then I'll go back and begin to pick them out. Forever, O Lord... Your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You established the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances. For all are your servants. Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts. For by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies, I am a meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. 
I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precept, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. All right? Psalm 119, verse 105 right now. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In an age where people are doing a lot of thinking and then the Bible is being brought into disrepute and we have all kinds of things, why do we believe in the word of God? Psalm 119, verse 89, the Bible states that forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. One of the reasons why we believe this word and is the basis of our Christian life is that the word of God is settled in the internal realms. The word of God is settled. There is nothing in this world that can destroy the word of God. See, David said something in verse 96. He says, I've seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. The word of God is eternal. I want us to run through five scriptures. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. We'll come back to Sam, but let's run through this. And then maybe next Wednesday we'll do a little bit of history and science on how they agree with God's word. For me particularly, it's a new area of study, but I find it very essential because as we go out to reach people, we, we are beginning to encounter questions that uh, in the last two, three years, we're not hearing those questions. In fact, I was um, discussing with a lady today about the authority of God's word. And absolutely, she did not agree that this, word, this was the word of God. Now, for some of us that were raised up in church, we can't even think of it. Somebody saying this is not the word of God. But whether we like it or not, that's the society we're being, uh, we're, not we're raised then, we're already raised, but that's the society we live in today. And so beyond our coming to church, we must now be equipped to be able to deal with those kinds of people. And that's the, the basis of our house meetings for the whole of this year. Matthew 24, verse 35 now, David said, your word is settled forever in heaven. And then it's a lot, of, a lot of writers over several days and times picks on this same truth and highlights it. So, Matthew 24, 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. It says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. That means the word of God is eternally settled. The word of God will never pass away. It is eternal in origin. So it is permanent. It can be trusted. Alright? We can't have, you know, people can work on several translations of the Bible, but it is the same content. It is the eternal word of God. First Peter chapter 1 verse 25. We're going to read a lot of scriptures. First Peter 1 25. Verse 24 says, because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. Now, the Bible is 
Peter is helping us to understand that what we call the glory of man is it fades away. It's like the grass. I don't know how many of you have read um, what's been happening with these guys. How they are going after ancient monuments and destroying, you know, ancient monuments and landmarks and history. That's the way it is. That's how, that's how feeble it is. You see, today, this guy is the richest man in the world. The next day, somebody comes. The next day, somebody comes. Today, this guy is the highest paid footballer. The next day, the transfer fee of this guy makes that guy's own like. You know, the, the glory, what you call glory in this world is always passing away, right? You have this style of building, and it looks like this is the best that architects can bring out. Ten years down the line, that building won't even make for some people's kitchen. But God says, in the midst of this, the word of the Lord endures forever. One of the reasons we believe the Bible is despite the changing nature of the human race, God's word remains forever. It does not change. And so it's important we understand that the glories of men will change, things will change, civilizations will change, culture will change. But the Bible declares that the word of God will endure forever. So there is an eternal aspect to this word that we believe. Your children will grow up still reading this word, still believing this word, still seeing results with this word. Your great-grandchildren will grow up still believing this book and still seeing results with it. There is an eternal dimension to the word of God. So when we deal with the word of God, we must understand that we're not dealing with something that is temporal. We're not dealing with something that is transient. We're not dealing with something that fades. It's eternal. Psalm 119, verse 152. Psalm 119, verse 152. Psalm 119, verse 152. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever psalm 119 verse 152 concerning your testimonies referencing the word of god it says you have founded them forever they were built to be forever they were designed to be forever and i tell you this is the fundamental reason we can trust the word of god it was designed to last forever let's read verse 160 of that same chapter Verse 160. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgment endures forever. Okay. You can write Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 down, but I want us to read something. You can write that down, Isaiah 40, verse 8, but I want us to read something in Psalm 119, verse 140. Psalm 119, verse 140, the Bible says, Your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. Now, I want, to, I want to explain something in this verse of scripture. When the Bible says, Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it, it's not talking of purity in terms of holiness. It's talking about something that has been tried. You know, when you talk about pure gold, you cannot talk about pure gold without it going through fire, right? It is when it comes through fire 
that it becomes pure gold so when he says your word is pure what the psalmist is saying that your word has been tried severally and it came out without defect it came out without impurities it has gone through the process now saints of god this word has been tried i think one of the one of the i can't remember his name one of the is the emperor now something of of china the communist regime then one of the bible schools that was there one of the seminaries that then he set the seminary on fire and says as that seminary is burning so will christianity fade out of china and the name of god will never be heard that man is dead today the fastest growing church underground church around the world is in china the word of god has gone through trials there have been times where the bible has been declared illegal that you could not print the bible but you discover that the bible is still in circulation the word of god has gone through several trials and it has come forth pure we can see that again in psalm chapter 12 verse 6 we can see that in psalms chapter 12 verse 6 psalms chapter 12 verse 6 the words of the lord are pure words like silver tried in the furnace of the earth purified seven times purified seven times you shall keep them O lord you shall preserve them from this generation forever the word of god is tried it has been purified it has gone through seven is the number of biblical perfection it has gone through perfect trial it has gone through perfect examinations and it came out as pure so that is one of the reasons we believe in the word of god psalm 18 verse 30 our last scripture under number one psalm 18 verse 30 as as for god his way is perfect the word of the lord is proven the word of the lord is proven the word of the lord is tried the word of the lord is refined so saints of god when we build our faith in the word we are building our faith on something that is eternal we're building our faith on something that is tried we're building our faith on something that is refined so under the eight reasons why we believe in the word of god number one the word of god is settled in heaven and it is proven to be true so we have a word that is settled in the realm of the spirit that nothing on the earth will be able to affect it so under there we can have five points we can say the, the eternal existence of god's word we have the eternal existence of god's word number two we have the immutability of his word that the word cannot be destroyed it's immutable the immutability of the word the faithfulness of the fulfillment of that word if you go through all the scriptures that we have read actually what we just read right now it says the word of the lord is proven okay and then in in um, in psalm 12 verse 6 and verse 7 it talks about god keeping to his word so we talk about the eternal existence of God's word, the immutability of his word, the faithfulness of the fulfillment of this word, the perpetuity of the word in nature, the continuation of the word, the word moving from one generation to another, from one generation to another. It's, it's the word that you can entrust 
your children too and you know that it will keep them and it will uplift them so when we essentially are talking about the reason we believe in the bible we're looking at the eternal dimension of the bible and which is very very essential number two the word of god is the source of our new creation uh, of our life the word of god is the source of our life both in terms of the new creation and our mortal life in terms of our renewed spirit and our bodies the word of god is the source of our life let's go back to the key psalm we're using psalm 119 and let's look at verse 93 psalm 119 verse 93 it says i will never forget your precepts for by them you have given me life so one of the reasons we believe in the word of god is that the word of god is the source of our life the first man was created by the spoken word which the bible refers to the first adam the last adam jesus christ was created by the spoken word god spoke and created adam in the garden of eden god spoke through the mouth of gabriel and created jesus in the womb of mary and by that creation by the first creation we have our physical bodies right that's why all of us are related because no matter how you trace your family lineage there's no way you can trace it you know if you trace it back 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 it's always going to end up in adam and eve it's not going to end up anywhere okay so our mortal life was given birth to by the created word by the spoken word the first man adam was created by the spoken word in the garden of eden the second man jesus christ the lord from heaven was created by the spoken word when mary says how can these things be and says the power of the holy of the holy spirit will overshadow you and that which is of thee the holy seed you know and all that process that mary went through the same way we were created by the spoken word that gave birth to our mortal life from Adam, our new creation is created also by the spoken word, our renewed spirit. So you heard the gospel, you embraced the gospel, and you became born again. That's one reason we believe the word of God, because it is the source of our life. First Peter chapter 1, let's read some. I'll do a lot of scriptures, maybe then reduce them as we go on. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23. It's important that we get all of these things in our spirit because I believe that these are some of the things that you need to pass on to your children. You can take these lessons once a month and share them with your children. The reason why you go to church, the don't just, you know, don't just, um, how do I say, it's not just about dragging them to church and say you have to serve God. You have to tell them the reason. This is why. And essentially, what I intend to build in this local house is for us not to just do things, but understand why we do them. It's very important because when you understand why you believe in God, you see, there are certain things that will not shake you anymore. Okay. So, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word which lives and abides forever. The eternal word that we believe is the one that gave us life. So we are born again by the word of God. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we can just read that. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we were born again. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead essentially is the proclamation of the gospel. The founders of all other religions, no one can claim resurrection from the dead. It's only Jesus that rose from the dead with evidence. The Bible says that after he rose from the dead for 40 days, he was showing himself amongst his disciples with infallible proofs. One study that word infallible proofs. It means proofs that cannot be faulted. Proofs that cannot be doubted. For 40 days on the earth, Jesus ensured that he left enough proofs to show that he rose from the dead. Because there will be people who would question the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus is the basis of our new birth. The resurrection of Jesus is the basis of our newfound faith. The resurrection of Jesus is our basis from being born again. And that is why regardless of what other religions claim, it is only us in Christianity that can attest to a risen Savior and a risen Lord. And so that's why I read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that we are born again by the process of that resurrection. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus was talking about the parable of the seed and the sower. And he said in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Fortunately, the same word used for seed in the Greek is the same word sperma which is at the life source of giving birth to a new person. John chapter 1 verse 13. Let's read that now. John chapter 1 verse 13. The reasons why we believe the Bible. John chapter 1 verse 13. John speaking in John chapter 1 verse 13. It says, verse 12, we can read from verse 11. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received them, to them he gave the right, the authorization, the legal right, the power to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. Since we're born of God, how is it that we're born of God? We are born of God because we are born of the word of God. We are born of God because we are born of the word of God. Now how, how, can, we, how can we get into that? John chapter 1. The scripture says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So if the word was with God, and the word was God, and you were given birth to by the word, according to First Peter that we read, that means you were given birth to by God. And this is the one revelation that the Jews were fighting Jesus after. Jesus said, Jesus was performing miracles and says, for which of the miracles do you fight against me? And he said, for none. None of the good works. He says, but you being man, claiming to be the son of God. That's the reason we want to kill you. And Jesus said to them clearly, is it not written in your law that he called them gods to whom the word came? It's very simple. He called them gods to whom the word came. And he says he called them gods. 
How did they become gods? Because when you receive the word of God, that is God, you become a god. And that's why it wasn't a problem when God looked at Moses and says, I will make you a god unto Pharaoh. It wasn't, it wasn't God elevating Moses. It was the natural state of Moses. And I think that maybe I'll have time to teach on your gods. But I think that it must become our consciousness that we are gods on the earth. It must, the oneness of God and man must become our reality. We must be so conscious of it that it affects our thinking pattern. We must be so conscious of it that it affects our speech. We must know that when we speak, it's gods that are speaking. When we pray, it's gods that are praying. When we declare a word, it's God that is decreeing a thing. Praise God. Okay. So, you can write James chapter 1 verse 18 because of time. I have so many other points to cover. James chapter 1 verse 18 and Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 47. Why do we believe the word of God? The word of God is the source of our life. It is the source of the new creation. It is the source of our inner man. And it is also the source of our mortal, of our mortal body who were created by the word. Number three, why do I believe the word of God? Let's go back to Psalm 119. Let's look at that. Just want to pick this from the life and the story of David. Psalm 119. Why do I believe the word of God? Why do I believe the Bible? Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day okay always keep a place keep something in psalm 119 will always be coming there so you don't have to go quickly to philippians chapter 4 verse 8 go quickly to philippians chapter 4 verse 8 and in philippians chapter 4 verse 8 paul gives us a list of things to think on okay paul gives us a list of things to think on in philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are noble whatever things are just whatever things are pure whatever things are lovely whatever things are of good report if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy meditate on these things meditate on these things think on these things the word of god is the one book that fits the description of what Paul says we should think on. He says, they are my meditation all day. The word of God is that one book you can meditate on every day of your life and you will still see something fresh. You can meditate on the word of God from, if you don't have anything to do in this life and you just say, I want to be meditating on God's word. Every day when you get up, you will still see something new from God's word. That's one reason we believe in the word of God. A man can read a textbook, right? To the point where he doesn't have need of that textbook anymore because he wrote the textbook or because he knows everything in the textbook. He can become a professor, can become a retired prof. And he tells you, wow, I know everything about that textbook. But no man can say that about this book. No man can say that about this book. Before we came, Hundreds of years ago, people have been teaching from this book. Now, we are teaching from this book. 
Our grandchildren will get up and still teach from this group. Their own grandchildren will get up and still teach from this book. Why do we believe in the Bible? It is the one reference book that can provide us meditation all the days of our life and we'll find something fresh. That's the third reason why I believe in the Bible. Number four, let's read verse 98 of Psalm 119. Verse 98. You through your commandment make me wiser than my enemies. It is the ultimate source of wisdom. The word of God is the ultimate source of wisdom. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 that Christ has been made unto us wisdom. How has Christ been made unto us wisdom? I'd like to put it this way. The wisdom of God has been demystified. It has been unraveled. It has been opened into a book. That when you hold the book, you know that this is the wisdom of God. And so, the more you read the word, the wiser you become. The thing about it is that the Bible gives us the ultimate source of wisdom. I tell you the truth. If you will keep to the instructions of God's word, you will be an extremely wise man. James says, um, James chapter 1 verse 5, he says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask from God. But in my own thought, I'm saying that wisdom, that prayer had been answered. How did God answer the prayer? He gave us his book. The more we read God's word, the wiser we become. The more we read God's word, the wiser we become. One of the reasons we believe in the Bible is that it is the ultimate source of wisdom. Number five. Let's read verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers. I have understanding than all my teachers. Not only does the word become the ultimate source of wisdom, it is the ultimate source of understanding. The word of God is the ultimate source of understanding. Understanding basically meaning you know why you're doing something. It is the ultimate source of understanding. Wisdom sometimes can be, um, let me put it this way. Sometimes wisdom can be knowing when to do something. You know it, you understand it, but you have to do it at the right time. Okay? You have to do it at the right time. That's how the word of God gives you wisdom. Under wisdom, I want you to write Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2. Okay, right? Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. It talks about the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding. The word of God is the ultimate source of understanding. It says, by the word, I am wiser than my teachers. And I have more understanding than all my teachers. Let's read verse 101. Psalm 119 now, verse 101. I have restrained my feet from evil. From every evil way that I may keep your word. The word of God is the ultimate source of separation from evil. It is the word of God that separates us from evil. What is evil in this context? When man fell, evil was introduced to the earth. The only thing that would prevent man from partaking of the evil of the fall is the word of God. See, by your word, I've restrained myself from evil. I've restrained myself from evil so I can keep your word. 
so the word of god essentially is that which separates us from evil the word of god is that which takes that evil nature in a man out of him you know some of you used to be very hard-hearted some of you used to be very angry some of you used to be very very funny people until what happened you got born again you embrace the word what happens the word began to separate you from evil so the word of god essentially we believe it is that which separates us from what from evil number seven reason why i believe the word of god psalm 104 psalm 119 verse 104 now please through your precepts i get understanding therefore i hate every false way it gives us the standard of living the word of god gives us our standard of living and you see it is very interesting to note that although the word gives us our standard for living the god that we serve enables us to keep that standard all other religion their gods give them standard and they strive to keep that standard but our god gives us standards and gives us his spirit to help us keep that standard so if you belong to any other religion you will be struggling to please your god but we serve a god who took of himself and sacrificed on our behalf and gave us the ability to love him we are not trying to please god he's pleased with us and so he gives us his grace to please him right it is more like we serve a god who is giving us an open book test god is not looking for ways to kill us he's looking for ways to bless us and so he tells us what to do he says i've said before you life and death he tells you choose life that you and your sons might live he tells you i've given you two options but choose this that's the kind of god we serve so we don't serve a hard-hearted god we don't serve a mean god we don't serve a god that we are trying to please we don't serve a god that we're struggling to please we don't serve a god that we are denying ourselves so many things to be able to please them in other religions for you to become a past uh they don't have pastors for you to become leaders in those religions maybe you have to fast for a number of days maybe you have to stay in the mountain maybe you have to separate yourself but paul comes in and introduces christianity to us and tells us that not many that are noble that are called not many that are wise that our own god chooses chooses the foolish things of this world to confirm the wise so god looks at an illiterate guy and picks him and puts his spirit in him and makes him a world changer that's why we believe in the bible we believe in the bible because we're not striving to attain a perfection but that his perfect spirit is in us enabling us helping us in our own weakness to become perfect all right so that's one of the reasons we believe in the word of god that it gives us standards to keep but then not only standards he helps us by his grace to keep those standards colossians chapter 1 verse 13 the bible says that we have been um, translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love the last one psalm 119 verse 105 your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
The word of God is the source of illumination and guidance for us. There is absolutely nothing that you're going through in life that God does not offer the wisdom to go through it. With the word of God, we can chart the path of our life. The Bible single-handedly touches every single subject that humanity will come across. It's many, many years ago, we didn't know that homosexuality and all of those things are going to be issues that we confronted with. In fact, it was strange. But how many of you know that the scripture takes time to deal with these things? It takes time. Even though it wasn't a major problem in those days. But then, it was very clear. Because the word of God endures forever. I tell you the truth. There is nothing that will come up in the next one million years that the word of God does not already have the solution to it. It is illumination for our path. God knows the crisis that is going to be hitting marriages with all kinds of movements emerging. And then he gives us a simple guideline of how to have good homes. God gives us a simple guideline of how children should honor their parents and how parents should not provoke their children to wrath. On how husbands should love their wives and wives should submit to their husbands. On how governments and rulers um, uh, of authority should rule. And the Bible even goes as far as telling us to pay our taxes and to honor those who are in um, positions of authority. The Bible gives us a clear illumination on our path. If a man is in ignorance, it is because he has not read the word of God. If you read the word of God, the word of God tells us how to treat our boss. He tells the boss how to treat his servants. He tells us what we should do when people offend us. He tells us what we should do when we offend people. The word of God is our illumination. He says it's a light unto my path. So with God's word, we never walk in darkness. He tells us how to honor our pastors. He tells the pastors how to take care of the sheep. He says they should not fleece the sheep of God. He tells us how to transform society. He tells people how to respond. If you go through the book of Leviticus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, God gives the Israelites dietary requirements that today doctors are going back to study those things because they were very healthy. The word of God is a guide to our paths. The word of God is a guide to our paths. If you look at when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and you study their whole movement from Exodus numbers downwards and you study their movement, you see that God gave them sanitary requirements and gives them how to take care of themselves. That even in the wilderness, they were healthy people because the word of God is light to their parts. So this is why we believe in God's word. We don't just have a religious book. We have a book that provides light. We don't have a book that is... See, the point is this. Other religions have books that they have to, to have to do certain things, to live up to certain standards so that their God will be happy. But God gives us these instructions to make us happy people. When God tells you do this, it is not for his own good. It is for your own good. When God says love your wife, God is not telling you love your wife because if you don't love your wife, then he's going to now kill you. He's telling you love your wife because that's the key to a happy marriage. He's telling you, submit to your husband because that's the key to a happy marriage. He's telling you, children, submit to your father because that's the key 
to a harmonious relationship with your father. The point is, God gives us these instructions so we can have light on our paths. So these are, like I said, basic stuff, right? These are basic reasons why we believe in the word of God. Maybe Sunday or next Wednesday, I'm going to do a little more, more technical reasons. But number one, the word of God is settled in heaven. It is eternal. To go from one generation to another. Number two, the word of God is the source of our life. Both our physical life and our spiritual life. Number three, the word of God gives us something to meditate on. All the days of our lives that fits the standards that Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. Number four, the word of God is the ultimate source of wisdom. Number five, it is the ultimate source of understanding. Number six, it is the source of separation from evil. It is the source of separation from evil. Number seven, it gives us standards to keep. And God enables us to meet those standards. We receive the grace of God and we are enabled to meet those standards. Number eight, it is our ultimate source of illumination and guide. It gives us, it, it shows us the paths to take in life. It shows the government official what he should do for his citizens. It shows the citizens what they should do for the government officials. It shows the pastor what to do for the church. It shows the church what to do for the pastor. It shows the wife what to do for the husband. It shows the husband what to do for the, uh, the, the, the wife. It shows the children what they should do to their parents. And it shows the parents what they should do to the children. In this word of God, we have illumination. We have guide. And because this word is eternal, we have eternal standards in this book. That if we keep them, it doesn't matter the civilization that comes. It doesn't matter the civilization that goes. Our success is guaranteed. Why? Because we're keeping something that is eternal. We're not keeping something that is temporal. We're not keeping something that is passing away. And I want you this evening to make up your mind that you're going to recommit to biblical standards. That you're going to bring biblical standards into your workplace. I was thinking about something this evening. I was talking to my wife when I was coming. I was saying that I don't think that the world lacks ministers anymore. You know, there are pastors everywhere. There are churches everywhere. I just think essentially that people are now looking for pastors they can trust. People are looking for pastors with character. And I said, if we're going to last in the next century, if we're going to last as we go forward, then we should get to work on our character. And how do we get to work on our character? We go back to the word. It becomes our guide. It becomes our illumination. It becomes, we can be able to say that your word is a light to my feet. Your word is a lamp. Your word is a lamp. So David says, he says, how can a young man um, cleanse his own path? How can a young man leave sin? How can a young man, he says, by hiding the word of God in his heart. The word of God separates us from evil. And I tell you this, this evening. If you will keep God's word, there is no evil that will be for your house. If you keep God's word, the evil of sickness, the evil, it doesn't matter what you're seeing about terrorism and all this. I'll tell you the truth. You are supernaturally protected by God if you will keep God's word. God knows how to keep his children from evil. Praise God. So I'd like us to pray this evening and make a recommitment to the word of God. And say, Father, I value your worth. I thank you for giving me your word. 
I recommit to biblical standards. I want to bring biblical standards back into our ministries. I want us to bring biblical standards back into our speech. The Bible says, let every word you say be seasoned with grace. Be seasoned with salt. Let it minister. Let it edify the hearers. You see, it's very important. Father, we pray for the restoration of biblical, uh, biblical standards in our churches. Biblical standards in our homes. Biblical standards in in that which we're doing in the mighty name of the lord jesus christ father we give you praise lord we thank you lord we honor you we bless your name jesus we give you praise we give you praise we thank you for who you are blessed be your name forever jesus blessed be your name forever jesus we thank you for your word blessed be your name forever lord thank you heavenly father father we worship you we magnify you we thank you for your love we thank you for your mercy. Blessed be your name forever. Blessed be your name forever. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray.